Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to chat about this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the New Orleans Pelicans final score of this one, 134 to 116. I hope everybody had as great of a night as I did. Uh, This was tremendous. And it's just very, very fun to be able to chat about a team like this right now where everything just seems to be going right. Everything just seems to be coming up basis for Denver. And it's fun to enjoy this early stretch. I didn't expect to enjoy this early stretch. I'm not sure how many Nuggets fans expected to really enjoy this early stretch. I thought that this would be a more lethargic team, a more... Uh, kind of reserved group, trying to save things for the playoffs, just kind of knowing what they have to do. And rather than that, it's it's turned into a killer mentality. It, it has turned into the Denver Nuggets dominating, and it has been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, we are going to chat all about it. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, once again. If you don't know, uh, I cover the NBA for and the Nuggets for Mile High Sports. And I host the Pickaxe and Roll podcast. We've done a great job over here at Mile High Sports of continuing to grow the YouTube channel. Uh, If you're new to the show, please uh, like, rate, review, and subscribe on on the audio side. If you are watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe to that YouTube channel. Hit that funny little bell notification, and and that should uh, be great for the content. Uh, All right, let's talk about the win. Let's talk about this win. Let's talk about this game. A really fun time in Ball Arena. You never know what to really expect, uh, especially when you've got teams like the Pelicans, who were legitimately 4-1 coming into the game. They they were a good team. Didn't necessarily play well together with their starters, and there's a lot to, I think, talk about for the Pelicans side of things. Um, But it has been really cool to see Denver thrive, and they had to thrive tonight without Jamal Murray. Uh, I have one of the notes on the on the docket there, point guard by committee. And Denver was a committee tonight. They shared the basketball. They shared the playmaking responsibilities. Jokic obviously has most of the things go through him, but Kentavious uh, Caldwell-Pope had seven assists. Reggie Jackson had four. Aaron Gordon had six. Uh, Colin Gillespie came off the bench and was the backup point guard for the team. There were a lot of opportunities for guys to step up in for Jamal Murray, and I think that that went pretty well for the team, obviously. Denver scores 134 points in this 134-116 to 116 win over the New Orleans Pelicans, and uh, they scored 109 points in the second, third, and fourth quarters combined. 109. <laughs> like, they're, they're on pace at that point to put up over 140, and it is a tremendous number. That is a crazy number. And it is very, very cool to see Denver thrive in that environment. Um, Like what I saw from the group, like what I saw from Nikola Jokic, obviously. Uh, but I do think I'll, I'll, I'll come back to Nikola in the second segment. I do think that the point guard thing is going to be a thing that, ha- that kind of plays out for a while where Jamal isn't out there. He's probably not going to be out there for a significant stretch either. Uh, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say about a month. I'd say he's probably gone for the month of November. And that is not fun. That That is not going to be a fun thing for the Nuggets to endure. 
it also kind of sucks for the in-season tournaments because Denver, even though they did win this game, even though they are going to have to face the Pelicans again in the in-season tournaments, uh, and they have the capability to do so, they have the capability to win, being down one of your main guys is never a good thing. Now, Denver made mincemeat of the Pelicans on the offensive end tonight, and it, maybe that is a good sign. Maybe that is a, a positive sign in the right direction that Denver, because of how well they know themselves, because of how well they know the offense and the chemistry that this group has, and, and also the commitment to the defensive identity, that maybe Denver can survive, and this is going to be just fine. I mean, they are 7-1, and one, and Murray's minutes, while he has been awesome, uh, he he's probably the guy that has the lowest plus minus in the starting group because he staggers with that bench. So I think the starters are going to be okay. Obviously, they're the starters. They've got Jokic and Gordon and KCP and Porter, and there were stretches where the, those guys weren't great, especially at the beginning. But uh, when that group is hitting and when they're, when they're spacing the floor for each other, hitting shots, it's just, it is awesome to watch. So I, I like the way that Denver handled the point guard position. I like the way that they handled the playmaking responsibilities. We got to see Aaron Gordon run some point guard a little bit. Uh, KCP, as I mentioned, had seven assists. And then in the end, it all comes back down to the big fella, and he's going to obviously deliver in the most important ways. He's tremendous, and I'm sorry I used the word tremendous again. I'm going to try to stop using that. Uh, It has been really, really cool to see the team evolved beyond just the two-man game. I know that they didn't start as the two-man game back in the day, but over the course of from the 2018-19 season to uh, probably, up, I mean, up through last year at times, the team was just the two-man game when, when it came down to it. And that's what they're ultimately going to be. But this is a really good reminder victory that they don't always have to do that, especially during the regular season where... There are so many other talented players on this team that, when given the opportunity to thrive, can excel. Uh, Michael Porter, he he started off in a good way and a bad way in in this game. And I thought that Jokic did a really nice job of of looking for him early on in this game and making sure that the Nuggets ran some stuff for him. Porter had a quick seven points, kind of struggled a little bit with his jumper after that. But then once he got back to cutting to the rim, and dominating on the offensive glass and making his presence felt on the interior. Then he hit another three after that, and he hit the step-back jumper after that. And like He just does a lot better, in my opinion, when the team evolves him early and often. So it, it was nice to see Jokic kind of do that and, and make that a, a targeted effort for sure. Uh, and Denver, like, Gordon has six assists. KCP has seven, as I mentioned. Those guys are going to find ways to make plays for each other. Um, I'm going to talk about Julian Strother in the third segment, but let's take a break and then we'll talk more about Nikola Jokic specifically. Uh, he is awesome. And like, there's just like, what, what more can you say about the big fella? He has been unbelievable. We will be right back. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Did you know that you could win a trip to the biggest football game of the year this year, courtesy of Superbook? They will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game. They will also give you two tickets to the game, plus a three-night hotel stay. And all you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, and you're automatically entered to win. 
So wager and win a Super Bowl trip or a super trip, excuse me, to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, thank you so much, everybody, for hanging out tonight. I know it's after midnight. I wanted to go live. I wanted to give everybody an opportunity to kind of step in and hang out and, and chat about Nikola Jokic and chat about how awesome the Nuggets are. Like It has been awesome to watch this guy. And uh, we, we got a nice treat in the postgame pressers. I can tell you all about it. Uh, basically, Nikola Jokic decided... You know what? I'm going to answer all the questions today. I'm going to ask all the questions and I'm going to answer all the questions and I'm not going to let anybody speak for a couple minutes. And he just he did everything that he needed to do. It was very, very funny. Answered questions about Colin Gillespie being awesome, about Julian Strother, about passing LeBron James and Jason Kidd. And I think something about the turnovers or the offense. It was very uh, it, was, it was fun to to track the answers that he actually came up with and the questions that he came up with for himself. But he went on for like two minutes and it was just like, yeah, this is uh, this is what I'm going to do now. This is how I'm going to run this presser. He wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible. Of course, my guy, Tony Jones of The Athletic and a couple others uh, decided that they wanted to ask some questions beyond that. I was hoping that he would just run off the stage and uh, get out of there after that two minute soliloquy. But Say la vie. Uh, it was it was still fun regardless. Jokic is unbelievable. Jokic in this game, thirty four points or was it thirty four? No, it was uh, it was thirty five points. In thirty six minutes, he had thirty five points on fifteen of twenty four from the field, sixty percent. He started the game zero of four from three, but made his final two. Three of five from the field or from the free throw line. 14 rebounds, 12 assists, one steal, one block, was a plus 16 in an 18-point victory. What that actually says to me, by the way, Nuggets were plus two in the non-Jokic minutes tonight, which I don't know about you guys. I have not been like as worried about the non-Nikola Jokic minutes of late. I just haven't. There are reasons for that, and Denver, I think, made a strong effort in this one to commit to the defensive end. Aaron Gordon also staggered at center. And there, like that, there were reasons why they actually survived, Aaron Gordon playing being one of them. Um, and Denver's going to have to figure some things out there. But when Jokic was off the floor, they were great. When Jokic was on the floor, they were even better. It was awesome to watch. And just the way that he continues to control the game from all sides, from all aspects, there is never a missed opportunity with him. That's probably the best way I can describe it. He never misses a pass. He never misses an angle. He never misses a kind of an up and under fake where he knows the guy's going to get off their feet if he tries to go for a hook shot and then he pumps and then throws up the shot after they, they're coming down. It was a masterclass. And the way that he bullied Jonas Valanciunas tonight, like, that's not supposed to happen. The last play that Jokic made tonight where he basically fouled, like, he fouled out Jonas Valanciunas. He 
got into a position on the left block and used Jonas Valanciunas' backward momentum to push him underneath the basket entirely and then kind of waited for him to commit and threw a a hook shot right over Valanciunas' head, drew the foul, drew the and one, and that was the sixth foul on on JV, and, and he went out. How many guys can push JV backwards? Like, the dude is a tank. He's an absolute truck of a human being. And there are so few players in the NBA that can make him move like water. And that is what Nikola Jokic did at the end of that one. And it was like, up until that point, it was just for fun. Like, he was trying all these different things, trying these different ways that he could score, that he could manipulate the defense, that he could uh, take a, a different kind of shot here or there, use a different angle here or there. And it's like he's experimenting on on how he can score on Jonas Valanciunas. And he did it every single which way he wanted to. It's it's unbelievable. And whether it's the passing, whether it's the rebounding, whether it's the shot making, like he is in his bag entirely after tonight. And like the Nuggets have just never been in a better place because of where Nikola Jokic is as a player. He is so far above the second best player in the NBA, that it is unbelievable. Like There is nobody close to the stratosphere right now with where he is playing. And like I know that Curry got off to a hot start. I know that Luka got off to a hot start. But we're going to see Steph. We're going to see the Warriors on Wednesday. And I'm curious to see how those two kind of handle that matchup. But we saw Jokic and Luka play. And it just wasn't close between who was more in control who was more impactful? And that's just a complete and utter nonsense that he could be this good. Uh, there was another quote that Michael Malone used towards the end of his presser that described Nicola that I wanted to share here. Uh, Malone said this, quote, Empowering people is really cool, and I think Nicola does a great job of empowering those around him. And it got me thinking, there have always been, like, there have always been Jokic players and non-Jokic players. Guys that cut, guys that understand the system, guys that can move and, and understand the feel and they can read the court, things like that. And then there are guys that like, okay, they, they want to shoot the ball selfishly. They like to kind of operate on their own cadence as opposed to seeing what the court is looking like. They don't really see the floor that well, things like that. And I think the scale is moving so much farther in this direction on the number of Jokic players that there are in the league. And the reason is because of Jokic. It is not because of those players. I think, and I think that the way that he kind of interacts with everybody on the team, the way he lifts everybody up on the team, I think that's a reason for it. I think that he is at his very apex at this point in terms of understanding who he is playing with and understanding how that affects the game. And he continues to add these in, add in these new things where, okay, you, you get caught with, hey, Reggie Jackson is, is a guy who he's now figuring out. Those guys ran two-man game like pros, like absolute pros at the end of this thing. And it was two-man game at the top. It was very similar with Jokic and Murray. And Reggie just kind of fit right into that. And I think Jokic knew what Reggie wanted to do. 
And they made it happen. They made it happen together. And Aaron Gordon loves to cut. He's, he's figuring out how to cut in space, and he likes to pass, and he likes to play his game. And there was a pass that Jokic made right at the end of the second quarter where he knew that Gordon was going to cut through. He knew that he could get the shot off. All he had to do was throw it to the tiny pocket of space that he knew Gordon could reach to, even if the window wasn't open. And Jokic just threads this needle past Herb Jones, like Herb Jones of all people, and no, no chance for the opposing team to really get the ball. And it just did not matter what they wanted to do because Jokic and Gordon were on such sync. They knew exactly what they wanted to do, and that's all that mattered. Jokic has figured out Porter. He's figured out how hard he wants to work now, how hard he wants to get into the paint. There were a couple of plays in the first half where Porter kind of mishandled a pass. He, he tried to seal and then uh, lost a ball out of bounds. I think the turnover got credited to Jokic. And Joker kind of he not hung his head, but he was just frustrated because he wanted to make that play happen. And he wants to make plays happen for other people so badly. Like, that's what makes it fun for him. He is at this place right now where he's in such control of the game where he doesn't have to do anything crazy. All he has to do is leverage everybody else's skill sets so that the team can score. And whether that's him scoring, whether that's Porter scoring, whether that's KCP or whoever, it doesn't matter. It just does not matter who's out there on the floor right now with him. He is going to lift them up. He's going to lift up the team. Now, regular season context, obviously. You want Jamal Murray back. You want him. And, and I'm, everybody knows I'm a big Jamal Murray fan. The Nuggets in the last four or so years, basically since the 2019-20 season, when they went into the bubble and went to the Western Conference Finals, Denver's win percentage when Jamal Murray plays is about 65 66%. Their win percentage when he misses time is 59.8%. I shared this number before the game, and it's probably up to 60 by now, by the way. That is not a large drop-off for somebody so talented. And the reason why is because Jokic has been able to morph his game, evolve his game around the skill set that he has and around the skill set of players that are available at that given time. And the Nuggets just find a way to win games. And I think that during this stretch, Denver's going to have to survive without Jamal. There's no doubt about that. They'll, they'll probably lose a game or two that they probably should win. But other than that, they're going to be okay. And the reason for that is because of Jokic's adaptability, his willingness to kind of shift and morph his style. And it is a different breed of dominance that we have ever seen. It's why he takes pride in being an all-around player. It's why he takes pride. It's why the triple-double thing is such a big deal. Because for whatever the team needs, he's willing and able to provide it. And that goes well beyond just the stats. It goes beyond, uh, it's now extending into leadership. It's now extending into direction and teaching. It is extending into uh, the timing and understanding of how things are supposed to go through a game. There were no hanging heads when the Nuggets were down 20 in the second quarter. And Jokic wouldn't have let them hang their heads anyway. It's clear. like He, he wants to win so badly. And he knew that they had the ability to win. It was mostly about staying the course and believing in the system, believing in the, the process. He also had a quote, the, one of the quotes that I, I latched onto tonight. Quote, winning is fun. Losing sucks. 
we are going to try to win as much as possible. That is scary for the rest of the NBA, let me tell you. Like, that is a, that is quite the quote. And it goes to show how much Jokic has evolved, maybe how winning has changed him in a way. I think he's addicted to the feeling. I think he loves to win, but more than anything, I think he hates to lose. I think he got tired of losing, and over this last year, he has turned into the best version of himself to avoid losing whenever possible. He's an absolute killer. And this version of him is the most dominant version we've ever seen. And it might be one of the most dominant versions of any player that we have ever seen before. Let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to chat about Julian Strother and some of the other things that I noticed from the Nuggets bench tonight. It was really, really interesting and really, really fascinating. But first, a new advertisement from Good Morning Broncos. Broncos, like Cody says, every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. It's always fun, and uh, they, they have some interesting things to talk about coming out of the bye this week, so should be fascinating to see. All right, let's wrap up here with Julian Strother and the Denver Nuggets bench. Uh, I've, I've gone through some of the other guys. I want to make sure to cover Julian here. This was a career-high night for Julian Strother. In just 19 minutes, he puts up 21 points on 8 of 13 from the field, Five of nine from three. Did miss a free throw. It was actually a technical free throw. Not sure why the rookie was taking the technical, but hey, on a heater. Very interesting timing. And he he missed it, and that's fine. But 21 points is nothing to sneeze at, especially in the time that he had. And it wasn't like with Strother, you kind of have to watch the way that he gets the baskets because sometimes, okay, maybe they are shots that are generated within the flow of the offense. Maybe they are shots that... Uh, if if it was Christian Brown standing in the corner, then he would also shoot that, and uh, maybe he would make it too. Julian was an absolute flamethrower tonight. Like, I went back and watched the threes. I went back and watched the possessions, and the dude was a certified bucket. He gets some of these threes and spots up on them 27 feet and deeper pretty consistently. <laughs> the first one that he hit... He's is after an offensive rebound. Aaron Gordon's got the ball on the left wing. Julian Strother's more towards the slot, and he's probably even closer to like the 45 or so. And he just lets it fly right when Aaron Gordon hands him, uh, he passes him over the ball. I don't know if even Aaron Gordon thought he was going to shoot, but he did. He took it. He was very confident, and he hit it. It was nothing but the bottom. Uh, He has these other possessions where There was one in transition where he just pulled up for three. Uh, There was one where Peyton Watson brought the ball up in transition on the left wing, kind of siphles through the defense, and then passes it over to the right wing for Julian Strother. And that was the backbreaker three that basically sent Ball Arena into a full tilt. It was crazy. It was awesome in there. Uh, It was so cool. And this felt like a moment. Uh, Also, before I get to that moment, he had several possessions where he was working inside the arc as well. He went 8 of 13 from the field, 5 of 9 from three. He did make three other shots inside the arc, and I liked all of them. 
I thought they were really, really impressive shots. One of them was a DHO that he got all the way to the basket and laid it up. Uh, he used his six foot seven size, exploded above the defense, and uh, went down Broadway on a pretty open lane. That was great. Uh, he also had another possession where um, he had the, the floater. It was a, a nice floater that he got into the middle of the lane. Nobody could contest a shot if he got to the floater and he got to it and he felt very comfortable taking it. There was one more that I was very shocked by. He had this possession on the left wing where, or not, not the left wing, the left block, where he got the ball down on the block and actually posted up somebody. He posted up the smaller Jordan Hawkins, who is a fellow rookie and who Julian talked about afterwards. Who's the guy, the player on a team that eliminated them in the tournament this last year. So obviously he felt some kind of way about it. And that like Jordan Hawkins had a big game in that one. And Julian Strother was 0-6 from three in that one. And he wanted some revenge. And then clearly he got it. Although Jordan Hawkins, flamethrower on, on New Orleans. That dude can shoot the basketball. That was very cool to watch too. Um, but it was just nice to see Julian in that position where it wasn't just stuff that other people were kind of creating for him or like a, a shot that he like a, 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 a finesse shot, if you will. He put his shoulder into Jordan Hawkins, created some space and had the jump hook over the top of him. And that to me is a great sign. That is a like, I didn't know that he had that in his game. I didn't expect him to have that in his game. And when he broke it out, it got me thinking, man, what does the future of Julian Strother look like? What is the future? What is the, the style of play that he's going to have? Is he always going to be a six-man type? Is he always going to be this kind of guy who is just a gunner off the bench? He's going to have to work on some things, right? Like, he's not a great rebounder. He's still not a fantastic defender, although he's holding up on that end. I, I never really notice him making bad plays. Sometimes he gets caught behind a play, but for the most part, he's just been solid, uh, unnoticeable. And I was, that was actually a word that uh, Calvin Booth used, I believe, where he's just kind of like unnoticeable on that end of the floor. And that's great. You, you don't want a, a rookie to stand out on defensive film most of the time because most of the time it's usually bad. But he's done pretty well in that. Expanding his game beyond just the scoring beyond just shooting and scoring and, and kind of being the tip of the spear rather than somebody who drives winning. like it, Because if, if it's just about him shooting, and if it's just about him scoring, then on nights where he doesn't have it, he's not really super valuable. But if he can get to a place where like he gets to the post a little bit against smaller guys, like let's say the Nuggets are facing Atlanta, and they decide, you know what? Julian Strother's got it going. We're going to let him post up Trey Young on a couple of possessions. And if they can get the switch, if they can get Trey Young in the post, Trey Young is like 5'11, 6 foot, and Julian Strother is 6'7. And if they can get to a place where he's doing that and then like he sees the floor up over the top of somebody like that, he could add in some layers of playmaking and some layers of creation for other people. And doing all of this other stuff that he's not really doing right now, but I could see the vision. I can absolutely see it, and I understand why people are so high on him. I can understand why people are so high on his skill set. There's a lot to love there. Um, I do think, and I, I want to put this up on the on the screen. Uh, Night Hiker says Jake Coyne tweeted it was the first time a rookie had 20 plus points 
and five plus three pointers in less than 20 minutes ever. Shout out to Jake. Love that dude. He's awesome. He's tremendous. Um, actually, I got a message him back on something. Um, but no, it's been awesome to watch. And being that productive and being that efficient and spacing the floor like that, it is very rare to be that dialed in and to really change the flow of a game. And he did it. And he did it with, like, it, it felt repeatable. It didn't feel like he did anything too crazy. Although some of the shots that he was hitting, there was one kind of long arcing pass that, he, that was thrown across the lane, basically. It was thrown across the court. And he caught it. And on the hop, just immediately fires up a three and hits nothing but the bottom. Like, that's how you know when when a, a shot is like that, or when a pass is like that, as opposed to the standard chess pass or bounce pass that guys are usually used to seeing, used to receiving and then shooting. He had to wait for that ball and he waited and waited and waited. And most of the time guys get a little antsy and guys get off their rhythm and guys don't make that shot. And he switched it at the nothing but the bottom. It was, I mean, he is tremendous. He is a really, really talented basketball player. And it's been awesome to watch. Like Denver's got so many guys. They've got so many layers. Uh, And, it behooves me to mention Peyton Watson, too, who I didn't mention really at all so far. Did a nice job against Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram a matchup against those guys. Like, made him work, made him take tough shots. And especially Zion, like, watching him battle against a dude that is definitely a lot heavier than him and definitely, like, not more physical. Like, he is generally more physical and he gives smaller guys issues most of the time. Peyton Watson battled against him and forced him to miss and had two steals and two blocks in the process. So, I, I loved what I saw from Peyton and the layers that Denver has within their bench guys. Christian Brown didn't have a great game tonight. He six points in 18 minutes, one of five, uh, missed a couple free throws and, and still is trying to figure out how he fits in. Uh, but in general, like Strother, Brown, Watson, those three guys are unbelievable in terms of kind of the layers that you can add into the rotation, and they're all 21 to 23. Calvin Booth is a sociopath. That dude is unbelievable. <laughs> Just incredible. Um, that's all I pretty much got. Like, this was a great win. Denver was down 20 at one point, and they just kept fighting. They just kept going. There was no lack of belief. There was no lack of faith that they could get back into the game. They knew that they could, and they made it happen. They absolutely made it happen. So it's nice to see Denver start off the year strong. And one of the reasons why is that in a Western conference that is going to be more convoluted and is going to be tougher than last year's Western conference, I think, separating yourselves early and getting off to a great start and doing your work early in the season allows you to kind of like you don't have to go hard the entire year that way. This is why I say like in a, in a blowout win, especially like do your work through the first three quarters and don't let them back into the game in the fourth. So your starters don't have to come in. It's kind of the same feeling like if Denver goes 40 and 20 in their first 60 games and they're on pace for like 55 56 wins, then a lot of teams are probably going to shut it down. They're they're not going to be as competitive with Denver and trying to get the one seed. And Denver may be 
very much on track to like I, I might be underselling them at 40 and 20. Like they might be 45 and 15. Like if, if they continue on this pace. So I've been very impressed. Just just tremendously impressed with the group. And they deserve a ton of credit. Jokic deserves a ton of credit, but everybody else kind of staying in line deserves a ton of credit too. They hate to lose. They do not want to lose. These guys are massively competitive, and sometimes it doesn't show on a random night in like against Utah or somebody like that, or Chicago at various points. But they make it happen, and they've clearly flipped a switch here where they know how good they are, and I think they're addicted to that feeling. It's very cool to see. Like you just you, once you taste that level of success, you know when you're not there, and you crave getting back to that level. So, really great stuff from the Nuggets, and really great stuff from me on this episode. Um, <laughs> that is going to do it, everybody, for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Thank you for hanging out with me after midnight. Really appreciate that. I've uh, got, got a few fair few people in here at this hour, and I obviously appreciate that tremendously. Hopefully everybody's having a great night. I will be live again on Wednesday night after the Nuggets play the, the Golden State Warriors. That will be the next time you see a show from me. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, please hit that like and subscribe button. Really would appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys very soon.